Welcome to Fright School. One man's willing descent into the dark abyss that lives at the heart of the American horror film. Over the next few weeks, I, Joshua Napier, am going to play horror Sherpa to Joe Farron's journey to the mountains of madness. Are you ready? Class is in session. Joe, welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joshua. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Oh my gosh, I ha- I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Well, you know, someone went on a vacation. <sighs> That's true. I did. I went away for ten whole days. Ten it was days, amazing. Y'all. Yeah, it was so much fun. Went to Memphis, Tennessee. Saw the Stax Museum. Oh my gosh, everybody has to check that out if you go to um, Tennessee. If you go to Memphis, uh, visit the Stax Museum. It was really awesome. Uh, went to Tampa, Florida. Tampa. Uh, yeah, that was uh, an experience. <laughs> we stayed. Uh, so the whole point is, you know, we went we went uh, on a cruise with Melissa Etheridge, who is like my idol. Yes, uh, shout out to Melissa. Yeah, some of the people listening know that I have a rock band and that I play music and write music. That's my other thing. And uh, Melissa Etheridge is a big influence of mine. So she was like, you know, hey, I'm going to put a like 90 or no, not 90, 90%. That's I keep thinking because the boat was like 90% women. But like oh, I'm going to wow. put 2,000. 100 and like 54 women on a boat and like six guys. <laughs> we're going to have a really good time. <laughs> Rock and roll. So, and, and the cruise, it left out of Tampa. So we went to Tampa for a couple days uh, to wait. Um, we met up with a whole bunch of people from the cruise at like one hotel, right? So we're all like staying there and we were hanging out in the pool area. This is my like, I don't know, weird fun story. Anyways, we're hanging out in the pool area and it closes at nine. They're like, well, you all have to leave. And we're like, well, we don't want to leave. Like we're all having a good time hanging out. So we're like, dude, do you know, like this guy who was like the pool Nazi. <laughs> uh, and he also drove the van and like fixed stuff in there. He was like everything, everything to the oh, quality God. in airport, cruise, port. Was hotel. he lurch to the right? Yeah, basically. But he was very small. He's a little tiny guy. Very nice, though. I shouldn't call him a Nazi. That's terrible. But he did make us all leave, and we were kind of upset because we were drinking our boxed wine. You probably Maybe you saw that photo on Facebook. I did see your boxed wine. Yeah, my boxed wine. <laughs> That's from that night. So oh, anyway, so that God. guy, he comes over, and you know, he just, like, kicks us out. And we're like, do you know of any bars around here? And he says, no, there's no bars anywhere near the hotel. And we're like, oh, damn. I was like, he's like, you have to like drive into the city or whatever. What? I don't even know what. Anyways. You weren't so, even staying in like Tampa proper? You were staying No, like we that. were. I thought we were, but I don't freaking know. So, yeah. you know, whatever. Uber guy picks us up, drops us off, you know, places, whatever. Uh, shuttle, you know, whatever. I was, I was yeah. lost. Anyways, point is, we were like, well, damn, there's no bars. And we were all like, really like all kind of high on like our Melissa Etheridge bull, <laughs> you know, just like, Ah, I love her so much. We have to like <laughs> hang out and go do something. So we're looking for a bar, right? Right across the goddamn street from the hotel is a gay bar called City Side. Yeah, it, like I could have spit on it from like <laughs> the pool, and the guy had no idea like that it was there. I mean, it had like rainbow lights lit up outside. I mean, it was like the gayest thing. Like you, I mean, you could see it. From the hotel, and he had no idea it was there. So we went there. We got really drunk. They had karaoke. Yeah. So we did a bunch of karaoke. There was somebody there, like, 
little I want to come over a little come to my yeah. window well you know it was funny because I mean I was in like we were in a group of like hardcore Melissa Etheridge fans I'm like okay we're, I'm not gonna sing any Melissa Etheridge karaoke <laughs> so I sang stuff in the vicinity like I sang um, Tracy Chapman's Give Me One Reason oh you God. know so I was like okay I'm gonna sing some songs that are like did Jeffrey sing uh, Sitting in a Fast Car no <laughs> Fast Car no Je- Jeffrey didn't sing anything but anyway so it was a really good vacation then the boat of course was crazy and really fun um you know, we had a blast. I saw fun. your, uh, your like leisure wear. Your, your <laughs> I know. Yes. It was like the Adam. It was so funny because not only did we stand out on the boat cause we were men and there weren't really a lot. There was a lot, there was several men who were in bands on the boat and then, you know, some husbands and stuff, but really mo- most of the, most of the people on the boat were women. And I mean, I, which I expected. So I, you know, we stood out for that reason, but we also stood out cause we were the, like constantly in all black. <laughs> So anytime we were looking for each other, it didn't matter. Like strangers would tell Jeff, he's like, oh, he just went that way. <laughs> like we just saw him like because they knew who we were. So, yeah, that was pretty the funny. The two lesbros in black. Right, exactly. Yeah, the vampires, everybody, you know, because Jeff, like even I wore shorts. Like I actually wore some black shorts that I had in some like black sandals and like black slip-ons and stuff. But Jeffrey like stayed in like full long pants, long shirt, hoodie. Like, I mean, he was like he was committed. Black. Yeah, he was committed. So it was kind of funny. I did like his suit because I saw, yeah, I I saw the, the devil. Of the suit. Yeah, the Halloween party. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. Your makeup was great for that, by the way. Thank you. It was fun. It was very, uh, it was very, uh, gold. Uh, I couldn't get it off. It, uh, anyways, it was really fun. Can you hear that? My ice. Yeah. <laughs> today's drink. Today's drink is. <laughs> and now on our new segment called today's drink. Right. What is Joshua drinking today during the podcast? So today it is, um, it's cracking rum with some like cane soda. It's very yummy. In my cracking like uh, octopus mug, like tiki glass. Yeah, I love it. See, because I mean, I grew up in Ohio, so I've I've lived in California about eight or nine years, mm-hmm. and I love it because you can tell it's the holidays when like all the liquor starts coming with like glasses and <laughs> shot glasses. <laughs> like you know, the holidays are coming. You know, or they have like a ribbon, a red ribbon on them, or like the boxes inexplicably covered in snowflakes. <laughs> And you're like, oh, right, the holidays must be coming. The you know? gift packs? Right, yeah, exactly, all the gift packs. So Crack and Rum, they're not paying us, by the way, but I will promote. They have these badass, look, I mean, is this not cool? That is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, like a solid black mug with like an octopus. i drink some sweet tea out of that. Yeah, you could. Yeah, so I'm having a little Crack and Rum and Coke in my Cthulhu-looking... Um, That's what I was thinking. It looks yeah. like Cthulhu. Yeah, so I really Still dig it. fully so. understand who Cthulhu is. Mary... Freaking holiday to me. <laughs> so yeah, you can go out and buy that for the alcoholic in your life. Um, anyways, so what else to get caught up on? Anything in your world? Anything that you want to talk about? Um, my world. Uh, while you were gone, I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I um, caught up on American Horror Story, Ooh. which was alone, which was great. <laughs> Um, this season's really great. Yeah, I'm really liking it. Yeah, so we are we're recording. We're voices from the past, obviously, but yeah. we're recording. Um, <laughs> we're recording this right. It's gonna after. become like our theme on accident. Like that's <laughs> not what we mean to do. Yeah, of the past. I think in every single episode we've now mentioned it. So if you're binge watching this, sorry, or yes. binge listening to this. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, go you'll ahead. Be, you'll wonder why in like five episodes they went from like the middle of September to early November. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's true. 
<laughs> but don't worry, I promise. Like we've we've designed it so that way, as it gets as the episodes go on, so like after uh, after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's going to be two weeks in between each. Yeah, one. it'll so be a little tighter. It'll be a lot. Yeah. You know, we like it tight. So yeah. Uh, who doesn't? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I. What do I have to say? Um. Yeah. I mean, just uh, got caught up on American got Horror. Got caught up on American Horror Story. We're we're recording this after the ninth episode, the, the penultimate, penultimate <laughs> the penultimate episode. Um. Yeah. Completely. I had like all my predictions about who would be the last person standing, and like I did not yeah. see it coming. And you caught up, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So finale's next week. Finale's next week. Um, I love the trailer. Lana Winter's coming back. I wonder if she's going to shoot Lee in the head, too. Right. (laughs) That would be great. Um, That's her thing. I have a... I have a feeling that maybe Lee's bloodline is connected to Tituba or something because they're affected by the magic Tituba. of the, they're affected by the magic from the the witch a lot yeah. uh, the goddess but I don't know we'll see that's yeah. just my huh. the um the the impaling them on the spike and burning <gasps> that them That was so horrifying I I know I was, was like, like really really scary I was like they put this warning on here for a fucking reason like, Yeah they did was, I was like, ooh, they, yeah. they got it the worst of them. Yeah, that was really, ugh, yeah. But it makes you wonder what my, Ryan Murphy really thinks about his fans that are like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the commentary there? What's the commentary on we'll that? To, we're going to have to sit back and examine that. Exactly. Ryan, come on the show. Tell us about that. Tell us about... He's like, well, Joe, I feel that <laughs> those people on the Twitter... Millennials. Millennials. Drive a BMW. Secret season, season eight. I don't know. That's my yeah. best Ryan Murphy. Right. I created Glee. <laughs> <laughs> and Nip-tuck. it's pretty good. I've seen him several times live. So this, you're, you're, uh, it's pretty good. Um, I gave you Don't Stop Believing and The Carver. <laughs> <laughs> the Butcher? The, no, The Carver. Oh, from, The Carver. Right, yeah. right, right. I'm sorry. I forget. I gave you homoeroticism in every single thing every I've ever single done. i've ever done it's true ian where's my wine no okay um do you have things to 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 plug or to to plug a palooza right oh yeah i did want to plug a couple cool things so i'll uh, let me do the book first okay. um so because the holidays are coming and this this episode will be out um, this will be out like early December. I think. Okay, so something I, I don't remember. Anyway. It won't be. It won't be Christmas though. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Um, but, anyways, the point is, is that the holidays are coming, and you know, everybody's got a fright schooler in their life. Everybody's got that horror hound, gore hound, a murderino. Right. Oh, see, I don't want to steal their thing, but right. Exactly. I'm totally a murderino. Yes, you are. So shout out to my favorite murder. <laughs> Um, love you guys again. Please invite us on your show. Um, or at least me. <laughs> for goodness sake. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I've got a couple suggestions for good gifts for the... for the. Um, oh, this will be out the Monday after Thanksgiving. Okay, perfect. Right when people are going to want to be going and starting shopping for the holidays. Exactly. So happy uh, Thanksgiving, everybody. Right, yes. Uh, happy Indigenous Genocide Day. <laughs> um, I hosted anti-colonialism dinner we're gonna have uh f- anyways we're we're getting off track point is book 
to promote. It's called Anatomy in Black by Emily Evans. Um, it is this gorgeous anatomy book that's like all black uh, paper with like gold um, gold drawings and all of like the entire like human anatomy. It's just gorgeous. It's a great, I think it would make a great like, you know, coffee table book. Um, it, I mean, it's very um, highly, highly detailed and very informative. Uh, but it's also just a gorgeous book. So I wanted to uh, promote that because I just thought it was really cool. <laughs> and it was like 30 bucks on Amazon. So oh, it's a great, wow. easy this book. Is gorgeous. Yeah. This is perfect for the med student in your life. Yes. The budding serial killer. <laughs> Human dissectionist. Human dissectionist. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was a beautiful book. So I, I thought Surgeon I would. Surgeon turned psychiatrist turned cannibal. Right. <laughs> Oh, this is great. Yeah, isn't it neat? I thought it was really pretty. So I I, uh, I wanted to plug that as people are, are searching for gifts for the goth in their life. So yeah, it's called Anatomy in Black by Emily Evans. It's uh, I think it's 2015. Um, I think it's, it's only about a year old or so. Uh, yeah, 2015. It's out on... Oh, I like it. it says medical disclaimer. The following information is intended for general information purposes only, but it's still very detailed. I don't even know who, I don't know who, who's the maker of this, the publisher. I cannot find Lotus, Lotus Publishing. So there you say, go. The Mayo Clinic. Right. <laughs> so anyways, check that out. It's kind of cool. Buy that for the uh, person that you love who loves uh, wearing all black and being generally creepy. So the next thing I want to plug, which we are totally, I don't know how, but we're either going to have to play it, like do a podcast where we play the game or something. I don't know. We have got to find a way to incorporate this into the show. It's called Slash Cards, the horror movie, a trivia game. I think it was like Kickstarter funded. Ooh, I love a Kickstarter funded yeah, game. Yeah, me too. And I bought it on Amazon again. I buy a lot of things on Amazon. It's so addictive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because they go, oh, you looked at this. What about these 10? other things and i go yes to all 10 and then i buy them and, have and then 10 more hands. and then each one has 10 things <sighs> it's awful anyways slash cards the horror movie a trivia game perfect you know if this was an actual class this is what i would be doing i would be you know pulling these and throwing candy at my class as they answer <laughs> correct questions uh so it's a horror movie a trivia game for one to six players it contains 1375 questions that span five count five categories and cover 436 scary movies slashers can uh, players sorry <laughs> players can choose between two horror themed game modes the slasher and the survivor i don't know much about it i opened up one of the packs of cards they're pretty cool can you give me one do you think i might answer uh, one? maybe let's see what art movement inspired the unique visual style of films like the cabinet of dr caligari 1920 oh oh no 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 i know this uh german expressionism yes yeah see even you, you can get them. I love it. Even I, a relative <laughs> horror virgin. Yeah, it's cool. And then it has just like questions, you know, like name two horror movies about zombies or the undead. There's like others like, you know, name two movies that have babysitters in them or cults. Um, name, you know, three. I just, name two movies about cults. Yeah. <laughs> name three movies that have uh, an O in the title. Three horror movies. You know, it's just all kinds of things. Who directed Dawn of the Dead? Um, most filmmaker. Oh, here's a good one. Um, Tell for, me. Um, one of our, up, our uh, one of our episodes. What filmmakers? 
Most filmmakers use red corn syrup to simulate blood, but not Alfred Hitchcock. What substance did Hitchcock use for the blood in Psycho, 1960? Was it a chocolate syrup? Chocolate syrup. That's right, Joe. Chocolate. So anyways, uh, you could get that also on Amazon, although I'm sure they also probably have their own website. Let me see. Uh, yeah, www.play slash cards, P-L-A-Y-S-L-A-S-H-C-A-R-D-S dot com. Go there. Find their uh, find this. Buy this for the uh, horror lover in your life. And that, for now, concludes my... Uh, Plug-a-palooza. My uh, creepy capitalism. Yes, I... <laughs> well, that's We should use that. Totally mark that. Uh, I host trivia. I host a pub trivia every Wednesday at a brewery in yeah. San Diego. And I, I love trivia anything. So I bet I would do really well at the trivia yeah. without really knowing. Be, just because culturally, pop culturally, I am very well-read. Where, like, you know, I have a general idea of what The Exorcist is about. And, yeah. Um, this is a nice like segue. Oh, it is a good segue. Uh, a <laughs> nice a segue into The Exorcist. So, um, so like I have a general idea of what The Exorcist is about, but I could probably answer like most trivia questions where the answer was like The Exorcist. Like, what movie has like a young priest and an old priest? Right, or, you right. Know, blah blah blah. But um, so today is. The Exorcist. Oh my gosh, 1973. I'm so excited. I'm really excited for this episode and the next because we're doing The Exorcist and then we do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And in our book that we've been kind of, you know, pulling stuff from, the uh, Projected Fears book by Kendall Phillips, um, the chapter about is 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 together it's the exorcist and the texas chainsaw massacre are one chapter in the book is like two sides of like sort of the same coin um and uh talks about how the exorcist and the texas chainsaw massacre like that year 1973 and 1974 those years um really um changed horror um there was a major sort of change so i i'm kind of ex- I, i'm really excited that we're doing The Exorcist today. I'm also really excited because you've never seen it. No, I've never seen it. And what we're going to do is you all, it's so exciting. What's going to happen is we're going to, we're going to finish up here, wrap up here. We're going to go watch the movie together for the very first time for Joe, never seen The Exorcist. And then we're going to come back here and talk about it. And I'm so excited. Are you excited, Joe? Joshua's like beaming over here. I am. Because I think this could be a really interesting experience. Because we're going to go away for like two hours, but it's only going to feel like seconds for you guys. Yeah. We'll come back <laughs> and it'll be like, I, I, I will come back and I will noticeably be less bright. <laughs> I will be like, the light from my from my essence will le- be, then I will, I might I don't be know. praying in the corner. Uh, I mean, I'm just... Like, I don't know, The Exorcist, man. That's it. This is a big one. This is not the, we're not in the safe zone of black and white movies anymore. We're not, we're not. This is where this show's going to start getting really interesting. So, you know, I mean, hopefully you've been interested in the whole time, but (laughs) now we're getting to movies that people really kind of like. So, yeah, so we are going to go away for. It's just going to be seconds, but Joe's whole life is going to change <laughs> from, from, from this moment that you're hearing us to in just yeah. a few when we come back. Yes. Having if, had watched The Exorcist. In the like inside out version of my mind, this, this will be a core memory of horror <laughs> where from now on, little girls uh, I will be afraid of. Pea soup. I almost brought you a can of pea soup today. Oh, you should have. That would have been wonderful. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. All right, folks. So we will return 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Give us a few seconds, but we'll return. All right. Here we go. Time warp. So you are listening. Just a few seconds ago, we left to watch the 1973 seminal classic, The Exorcist, with a lovely Ellen Burstyn, a very young Linda Blair, Max von Sydow. Playing the same age everywhere. Jason Miller. Right, I know. That man is always the same age. (laughs) He has been 87 for 40 years. (laughs) All right. Joe, how was that? Um, I was... Initial reactions. I was shocked. Um, Shocked that it wasn't as scary as you thought, or... (laughs) It was was shocking in the sense that it was... um, like I, I wasn't like ah, like I wasn't jump out mm-hmm. of my chair yeah. scared. Um, which you thought you might be. Which I thought I might yeah. be. Um, I also wasn't like oh my god, like super super disturbed. Um, but definitely like maybe that's just me thinking. Like given the time period mm-hmm. and the things that they showed, I was very like oh wow, this like. Yeah. This I just kept thinking like the the context of the film and the time period. So like this one things it was shocking and all this other stuff and picturing my aunt watch it in the <laughs> theater. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There was just there was a lot. Like it was it was slow in parts. There was just a lot of background, and then but it kind of all pays off when you get to like the sec like the last half of like the second act and then like the beginning of the third act. Yeah. Like it all just kind of pays off. Yeah. Well, and that's also my fault, you know, I guess caveat here. I thought that I had the original theatrical version and I don't, I have the, uh, 2000 re-release, but for some reason I was thinking it had the theatrical version on as well, but it didn't. So I think, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately you got to see sort of the expanded version of the film rather than what they actually saw in 1973. Um, my bad. I should have checked. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, Only because it is, yeah. it's tighter, you okay. know, the, the film itself is tighter, but some of the story is clarified a little in the, in the re-release of it. So, which I actually went to, they re-released it in September of 2000. I was 15 and my mom and I went with my best friend at the time, Lindsay went to the theater to see that, that version of it that they had expanded. Um, it was ah, so cool. Nice. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it was cool. Well, yeah. At that point, the film was 27 years old. Oh, wow. So it's like mind boggling to me that now it's 43 years old. Like, gosh, Where's the time going? Anyways. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, it's tighter in the theatrical release. So um, that's, that was my fault. My bad. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I think I appreciated this version of it because of like the context. So because mm-hmm. of like, there were extra little bits of story and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but then again, I haven't seen the theatrical version, but like this, this version, it was long, but like the longer parts, like the whole, the whole thing in the beginning with Karis and his mother mm. was just very like, it sets it up for what happens later. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it was, and all that's yeah. part of the original. I mean, cause I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I don't know. We could debate, you know, probably all day about what the exorcist of the title is, you know, is it Marin? Is it Karis? You know, is it like, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think that the story is very much like 
Jason Miller, um, who plays Damian Karras, uh, it's like his story along with like Reagan and Chris, you know, and then Marin is, you know, comes in, but I don't know. I feel like the, the movie, um, the film is uh, about his journey too, as yeah. much as it is about, you know, yeah, Reagan's absolutely. possession. Cause he's sort of like losing faith. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting to see the arc of, you know, his character throughout the film of, you know, kind of struggling as, as a psychiatrist, you know, like science and religion again, come into play, you know, that's a big conversation in the film. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And, you know, losing faith. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The whole intro part with, um, mm. the whole, I guess we'll just get into it. The whole beginning part where they're in Iraq. Yeah. And like, that is, that's really interesting to me because it, it, it provides like, these are, like these are old demons, you know, mm-hmm. like they're old there. This is like old world evil um, mm-hmm. and kind of showing without showing. And um, we had mentioned on an earlier show that there was like a prequel exorcist. Yeah. Which shows him in the Middle East fighting the demon. Is that what you say? Yeah. When he's like younger, there's mm-hmm. a couple. That's the thing. There's like Dominion and then like the beginning. So they made like two, kind of like the Spider-Man movies, how they've suddenly made like three different like versions of the same story in a matter of years. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. They did um, two prequels to The Exorcist, like back to back. And oh, they're both like fraught with tons of like production issues and all that. But they they seek to tell like, yeah, Father Marin um, played by Max von Sydow in, um, in The Exorcist, but his, his background story and like how he first battled the demon that he battles later with. The, the one that possesses Reagan. Uh huh. Wow. It was yeah. just, it was, it was good. It was definitely like a film. Like it was, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a film. And it's, it, the whole time I'm thinking about it, like it's, they're watching it. I'm just like, it's a very modern story. Like it's, mm. it's very modern. Um, it's like very, a very modern story. Like she's an actress. Mm-hmm. Like that's really interesting. A, a single mom, a single mom actress. Um, She's got a ton of servants <laughs> for, <laughs> for just the two of them. Uh, you know, I'd be worried about some class warfare, uh, right. some, some, some lower class struggle. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's just a very modern story. Yeah. 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 For being 43 years old. For being 43 years old. And, um, and then like, then like the priest, like uh, Father Karras being all, um, like this like kind of Bruce Springsteen like working class priest oh. like, <laughs> just, you know like yeah. you well know. Do, do they take vows of poverty as well it depends it, well I mean it just depends they're Jesuits on, so I'm not sure Jesuits so it would be um, the Jesuit vows might still be poverty obedience and chastity okay so because he doesn't live um, he lives in like the dorm or the rectory yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah so when he goes to that apart I was a little disoriented when he went to that apartment and it was like you find out it's his mother's place yeah I was like what is this priest doing like <laughs> in not the rect I'm like oh he doesn't I wrote that down I was like oh he doesn't live in the rectory and then like no it's his mother's yeah, place yeah 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 which that whole thing with um with the mother and then not seeing the death which I think that might be part of the the version that we saw is that like, you know, who's going to pay for it. Then he goes, then he's boxing and next, you know, she died. Yeah. Well, it's at that party later. Like that was, yeah. Point of like clarification is, mm-hmm. yeah. When they're, um, they're all at the party and father Dyer, mm-hmm. um, who's a uh, real world, um, a real life priest, 
um, oh shoot, I just had his name, Father William O'Malley, um, is telling um, Chris McNeil, Ellen Burstyn's character, Reagan's mother, uh, is telling her that she had died um, a few days, like she'd been in the house for a few days, dead, mm-hmm. before she was discovered. You know, wow. so that that's like part of their conversation. Um, but it's kind of weird that, you know, those scenes are kind of weird because there's a lot of conversation. Then you have the whole Nazi like blow up between the director and one of Chris's um, um, servants, Carl. Yeah. I thought that was really Rudolf weird too. Schindler. <laughs> What's I that? that was really weird, too. Just like, why? Why would you have that? It's like a red herring. Like, it's like, a, you know, oh, you're a, you know, his whole that guy's whole taunting thing about him being a Nazi. Yeah. Which, like, I can see how... I can see, like, storytelling-wise why you would do that because it shows that he's kind of a bastard. And... Yeah, especially when he's, like, drunk. Yeah. You know? And... And then... But, like, the the thing that's interesting is that you don't see him die. So you don't see him... Right. You don't see him die because I feel like... I feel that in, um... Um... Like if they were to remake it, which they, I mean, I guess they are right now because they're doing the TV show. So like, well, yeah, but that's still being told in the same universe. It's a modern, like present day now, like two thousands story being told. It's not a, it's not a readaptation. Okay. But yeah, it's just, it was really interesting to have like that whole him being like this bastard character Mm -hmm. that dies. Burke Dennings is what we're talking about. Yeah director of the film that Chris is working on and then like not have any not have him shown and not have his death shown like yeah. it all all that action happens off screen off camera yeah well I, I mean I think it just adds to the mystery of the plot because if you've never seen it before and you're going without any you know I mean 1973 audience mm-hmm. um, which again this was released the day after Christmas oh ni- great yeah December 26 1973 um I don't know. <laughs> I think that's kind of brilliant. Um, hilarious. Yeah. Like, joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, let's release this horror film uh, the day after Christmas. What a great idea. Yeah, what a great uh, idea. But anyways, idea. It, but, so audience is going to see it for the very first time without any knowledge um, and probably not not even realizing it maybe was based on a book. I don't know. I can't. I probably can't speak to that. But I know nowadays, anytime a movie comes out and you're like, oh, you know, it was based on a book. People are like, oh, really? I had no idea. You know, so I just kind of assume that maybe yeah. audiences in the 70s are the same. So, so they didn't have any expectation or any like knowledge of what the story was going in. So I think the um the mystery surrounding Burke's death help like you don't want to see it because there is the question of whether or not she's actually possessed yeah you know so that's you know the film is kind of about that too like is she you know did this little girl kill him like did somebody break in and do you know mm-hmm. so I think it helps keep it a mystery a little longer of yeah. whether or not she's actually possessed yeah and I I found that that's kind of a thing that happens in the movies that we've seen thus far mm-hmm. is that they are they're perfectly fine telling you what happened to someone else rather than show you yeah so like you know it said he came out of the door and like you know like when um let's take it all the way back to Dracula when when they're describing how Dracula like kind of came into the room and then Renfield like sucking on these bugs bugs but never like showing it right so I I feel like that's definitely that's still like a convention from that time uh but because I mean as we go on people are going to be like as we go into more like modern filmmaking, they'll actually show you instead of, instead of tell you about it, because then you, the audience, it's assumed that the audience already knows what happened. 
um, it was just, it's so interesting um, to see how they put things together here. Like it was very disorienting. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, not being shown, not being shown. And the whole, the whole Dennings, uh, Burke Dennings thing, it was just disorienting at all. Like he, he wasn't in it long enough for him, for us to really care that he died. I mean, there's that scene where, where Reagan's like, you know, oh, you're going to marry him because you like him. And he, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. When I didn't even like, I didn't really get any of that. So, and it could be just that, you know, she just sees him as like a male figure. His mom, her mom's hanging out with a lot. But yeah. I just thought it was really interesting to kill off a character that like no one really cares about. Like I was really, I was like already preparing myself for one of the servants to die. Right. Like the, the housekeeper or Carl or Sharon. Yeah, Sharon. But yeah. I, I feel like that would have made a little bit more sense because it's more it's more damaging to like it, it it's there's more at stake because that's someone that Reagan actually knows. Right. And that's closer to the family. Yeah, it's definitely safe in its in in its death scenes. Like, you know, yeah. who dies? It's aren't people like the um, like so many horror films, you know, what whoever the heroine is or, you know, or the final people left, usually they lose a lot of people they care about in in the process whereas in this film it is mostly sort of people extraneous i mean chris really cares for burke and they have a a good relationship you know the book expands on it which by the way again if you didn't know the exorcist is based on a novel by william peter blatty i cannot recommend it enough it is really well written um it is a very uh excellent adaptation you know the film they do a really good job i mean they have to pare some of it down there's a lot of stuff in the book that expands on um, black mass and expands on you know cults and and other you know it just obviously it's a book so it can go yeah. a lot deeper into the lives of its characters um but yeah they um the book more, like asserts more that like chris they're really just friends you know they work together on films and they they like each other in that sort of way but there's not a romance there yeah so you're right you're kind of lacking any like the movie doesn't really have any romance in it no you know no oddly enough know. for a horror film there's not really any anything sexy <laughs> in it. no it was very you know? um it was almost it was almost a documentary the way that yeah that they were cataloging everything. And mm-hmm. then like all of the medical procedures that they put that poor girl Ugh, through, I know, especially spinal taps, oh, spinal tap. And then like the loud machines. And I mean, it was just that, that, um, the final like round table where there's like, <laughs> there's like 10 doctors and Chris is there smoking a cigarette and they're all, they're all like, well, yeah, I mean, she could be, you could do an exorcist. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great little scene where, yeah. It's like we're supposed to be professionals, but, but <laughs> she's yeah, like, you want me to get a witch doctor? You want me to get a witch doctor? <laughs> and that was her, that was a lovely thing too because like for her name, you know, she's it's such an Irish name, like, you know, it's it's Reagan, it's Reagan Teresa McNeil, mm-hmm. like the McNeils in, in in general, like and it's such an Irish name, you would think that they'd be like really Catholic, but I mean, I think that's an interesting thing because making her of Hollywood, making her of that particular machine, um, you know, the quote unquote godless, <laughs> uh, that's an interesting choice there because she's she's pragmatic. Mm-hmm. She's she's pretty pragmatic in and what she chooses to believe and not believe, even though she is one and kind of this instrument of um, this instrument of fantasy. 
Yeah. So that's an, that's something like there's a lot of imagine like she pretends for her job. So the when these things are really happening, she's really freaked out because, you know, that imagination's there. But then also having her be a part of like like having her fame be a part of it. Like when um, the detective uh, asks for her, right, autograph. her autograph. Yeah. And I was I thought that was just so weird. But it's like, uh, you know, she I guess you could, you could, there could be further, you, one could probably really analyze the fact that like, because she's in Hollywood, that this is like a good, she's, um, what am I trying to say here? The get harming her child is like payback. Like it's the, you know, the devil of like false mm. idol worship. That's oh, sort of thing. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. where I'm going with it. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I'm not even sure. Like, I don't think I've thought that deep about the film before or even the book. Like, cause I just like the story it tells in general, yeah. you know, and I like that it is sort of an everyday person who doesn't have the, you know, it's not like they're wildly religious or anything like that. It's just sort of, you know, this thing that happened, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah. demon picks you. <laughs> yeah. And like how thorough, that's the other thing, how thorough they were in, um, in the medical testing like yeah. to show that, that like, you know, we, we've done all these tests, it's gotten worse and worse and it's all coming up. Ne- it's all coming up negative. And like, I feel like in a modern, like if you wanted to be really trite, you could have like one of the servants be like super religious. And that's like the first one that dies. You know, like 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 uh, Carl could be like the really super religious one, right? Like, that's that's the one that dies. But like having them all just kind of be, you know, this is happening for no apparent. Like there's no apparent reason other than it just kind of happened one yeah. day she woke up and it was not like yeah. it was bad. one. Well, I think that's part of its appeal too. I mean, I think that's part of the reason people probably find it so terrifying, you know, and did especially in in 1973 when it first came out because it just seemed to be so. Um, blasphemous and unholy and then it's happening to somebody who is not religious who like actively you know so it is almost a punishment for not believing in God like you know you're living your life you know uh, wallowing in your excesses (laughs) in your fame you know so maybe that maybe that's like one way to read the film is especially if you are a religious person and you're looking at the characters in the film if you are if you are judging them in that way Mm -hmm. even though you're not supposed to be judging them yeah so your book says not to judge, so lest one, ye be judged. One, one thing I wanted to bring up, and this one, yeah, this one is this one might be a little bit of a reach. So I don't know if this is what uh, Blatty had intended, but um, so the way the the way that uh, the detective describes how Burke was found, oh yeah, was that his head had completely turned, yes, and was behind him, right? Yeah. So um, I'm going to provide some context. I'm a, I'm a Westworld fan. I've been watching Westworld a lot and I listen to, um, like a Westworld recap podcast. That's how nerdy I am on my podcasts and my TV shows. And, um, one of the episodes of Westworld is, uh, entitled Contrapasso and, uh, Contrapa- I looked it up and, and I looked it up for Westworld and I'm reading it now because, um, it, it relates. So Contrapasso comes from, uh, it comes from Dante's Inferno and, um, you know, literally translated from Latin, it means like to suffer the opposite. So in Dante's Inferno, the idea, the, the souls that are in the different circles of hell are experiencing, um, are by a process either resembling or contrasting the sin itself. So they're experiencing um, their divine punishment and their divine revenge is directly related to the sin that they committed during their earthly life. Mm -hmm. So for example, Henry VIII, um, 
Henry VIII, who uh, got the Catholic Church out of England and created the Anglican Church um, and, you know, beheaded a bunch of his wives, is like beheaded in the afterlife. Uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up is that the specific example that's given online is um, in the eighth circle of hell where the sorcerers, astrologers, and false prophets are, those individuals have their heads twisted around on their bodies backward so that they found it necessary to walk backward because they could not see ahead of them. So these are like false attempts to like see the future. And so their heads are behind them, but their walk, their bodies are facing forward, but they're walking backward because that's where their heads are. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's supposed to symbolize uh, the twisted nature of magic in general, um, at least that particular punishment on those people. So I thought that was interesting. I was thinking about that as I was, um, as he was describing it, because I'm just, because, you know, Dante's Inferno and it would be something that would be known, um, especially in the Italian and the Latin. And um, he is a film director. So like you could kind of connect, you could maybe connect it there. Like he's a film director mm -hmm. and he's trying to present these like false ideas because he's also doing like this film about like really radical stuff too. And you know, I don't know. I just thought that was, I just present that for further discussion in the, in the listenership. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think that's kind of, I think that's very cool. Actually. That's a, that's a really great, um, um, what what sort I'm looking for something <laughs> it's a great connection to wow. make uh, that's kind of cool I, I never really thought about that yeah wow. and if I had Again, not, schooling me I, well I mean I if I hadn't it. if I hadn't been watching Westworld I probably would not know the word because <laughs> you know with HBO you always have it all just everything kind of messes yeah. meshes together and yeah. everything is meaningful so yeah. I was I was looking at that and um I thought that was just really interesting. It might have nothing to do with that. I it might also could have nothing to do with Contrabasso and have everything to do with the fact that we see Reagan's head twisted all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So it, that, <laughs> it could have, you know, that could be no, um, have nothing to do with anything. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think it's just, it's like a cult, you know, it's very, um, like, uh, one way to really defile a corpse is to like twist its head around or, you know, to, you know, um, you know, mutilate otherwise. Um, that's kind of how I always just thought of it as being, and it's such an unnatural thing, you know, regardless, like, you know, we can't, Oh, sorry. I keep hitting the microphone. Sorry. Y'all. Um, so, cause so I, heated. I talk with my hands so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's more of just, um, it's just so, you know, seeing her head twist all the way around and that's how they like kill, you know, Burke. Um, you know, I don't know. I just think there's something just yeah. really unnatural about it. I don't know if it's meant to be, I, I don't know if it's meant to be a comment on Dante's Inferno or not, but I bet, I mean, Hey, you've said it. It's now the Farron analysis. Yes. That's what we're going to call that. <laughs> Tying Dante's Inferno. Trademark. Uh, yeah, now I'm going to look up online. I'm going to find like, you know, a hundred other people who've made the same. I would be really curious to see if that, if anyone ever made those, uh, made that assumption. We'll have to look it up. You yeah. know, right now there's somebody who's going to listen and go, wow, I thought of that. Yeah. First Joe and they're going to sue us. Oh man. All right. So, uh, let's see what else I, I kind of didn't have like for this episode, like I, I love the idea that we were just going to watch it and then talk about it. So yeah. I'm kind of, le I've left it really open, you know, uh, we could talk about, you know, just kind of whatever you 
bring up. So what I, so, you know, we're obviously sitting there and I have, I'm already having questions and I was trying, I was trying really hard not to ask Joshua anything <laughs> about the, uh, so about we could save it for so this we could moment. Save it, you know, we this save is all it. happening in real time. Exactly. We were trying no to script. save it. Um, but some things came up. So like the, the demon or the, the figure, the, what is it? Assyrian, right? It's an Assyrian demon. Assyrian deity, uh, uh, Pazuzu. And, and, and that's actually kind of a point of contention I was reading is whether or not that that's the actual demon. Cause it's a, it's a deity. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that it's just sort of this ominous figure throughout the film. That's kind of like, um, a warning, like foreshadowing, like what's to come rather than actually being the real demon. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's probably right when I think about it. Cause I mean, nobody ever addresses, you know, the Reagan creature as Pazuzu, the, you know, priest never does. The book certainly doesn't ever call the demon. I don't think Pazuzu, it's just drawing this connection to yeah. in Iraq to this, um, deity. This ain't like the what the ancient Assyrians would have called uh, the the devil, basically. Well, Pazuzu, um, or what is Pazuzu? Yeah, it's an Assyrian uh, um, and Babylonian mythology. Uh, so it's like king of the demons of the wind. Um, so uh, he represented the southwestern wind, the bearer of storms and drought. I'm just pulling this off Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, it's often um, let's see depicted a you know combination of diverse animal and human parts body of a man head of a lion or a dog talons of an eagle two pairs of wings scorpions yeah you all look this up um (laughs) um but yeah it's more of like let's see although this is interesting although pazuzu is himself considered to be an evil spirit he drives and frightens away other evil spirits therefore protecting humans against plagues and misfortune so he might just sort of be um well, now, see, this does say that. See, I don't know. I'm confused. I, you know, because there, there, I read this whole thing online that was like sort of talking, like breaking down things about the exorcist, like misconceptions, and one of them being like Pazuzu. But this here says Pazuzu is supposedly the evil spirit that possesses the young girl Reagan um, in in the exorcist and the film based on the novel. But I, I don't know. Regardless, it's a very important figure in the film and in the book. Yeah. <laughs> what was the question though? <laughs> no, I, I, it was basically bringing up things that I had asked you when we were watching. Okay, so like yeah. the, the demon Pazuzu, um, the yeah. metal that they have, like that little, the little metal, the, um, the necklace, mm-hmm. because he, I, I, I don't think I saw the metal. Um, cause that, that's what was on father Karras's he- neck. Right. Was he given that by, um, uh, by Marin, the one that they found the necklace. I'm not sure. Cause that, yeah, that was something else that I was, um, because it's the same, about. it's the same, like in, in Catholicism, those are medals, like medals of the different saints. So. Yeah. I just assume it was like, you know, who's saying the, the lost, Oh, St. Christopher. Oh, Christopher. Well, Christopher you know, is I, Travelers. You know, I yeah. never really, I never looked at it that hard to know. I just thought, it, you know, I just assumed it was some sort of religious, you know, had some sort of religious connotation. Um, because he finds the medal, Marin finds the medal mm-hmm. in in the Middle East, and it's near where they found the head of Pazuzu. Yeah. And then... Um, 
And then you have, um, like, you don't, I don't see that metal again until it's like, until the struggle at the very end when he, the demons going into Marin or into Karis. Karis, yeah, yeah. And then the necklace is, the, but right, but right bef- before that, the necklace is right ripped from his neck. And yeah. then after that. So um, that's interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure about that. Let's see. The second uh, metal. Let's see. Yeah. Hold on. Let me look and see what I can. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure that it's meant to have too much significance, the metal, only in the, in the, in the, I mean, he's wearing it. It's like two, they're two separate metals. So Got it. in this like thing I was reading, it was like, you know, he's just wearing it as a Catholic priest and it's like unremarkable, you know, in that, in that sense. But once it's like pulled off of him in the struggle and then like mm-hmm. that he's able to like invite the demon in and it's no longer protecting him. Yeah, I guess. And then he passes it on or, you know, it is passed on yeah. to um, Chris and Reagan to keep, which I thought was interesting uh, that the father, that father Meyer, father Myers, Dyer, Dyer, father Dyer um, did not, <laughs> did not say like you should keep it like for protection. Like yeah. he just said, keep it. And I was like, okay, well just keep it or, you know, like it's, yeah. I, I thought that was, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I just wanted him to say pr- like protection. And then the whole sequence at the end where he's like, you want to go to a movie? Like I, yeah. didn't, I was, <laughs> that's all it, that you saw like additional like content, which that is how the book ends too. It's sort of that the, um, Oh shoot. What's his name? Kinderman or whatever. Like the police officer, like his whole story is very strange. Like, yeah. uh, you know, he, or not strange, but he just, um, his character in the, in it William Kinderman yeah so he's like investigating Burke's death obviously um yeah and so his whole thing again I think I think his character is there to keep you guessing whether or not she's actually possessed or you know if she's just Mm. like a child that's lost her mind you know she's murdered this man yeah she's injured her mother you know she's actively hurting other people you know in her sphere so he's kind of kept to be that um forced through the movie you know, right. and then at the end, he still doesn't have any answers, and neither do we. You know, in in some sense, you know, I mean, the movie, yeah. th- you know, th- makes I think people leave questioning. I think that's the reason why it's it's kind of always been a really terrifying film for people is that it's not about zombies, it's not about some killer that breaks in and stabs people, it's not about vampires or werewolves or monsters in general. You know, it's asking a very real world concern about whether or not whether or not good and evil. Ex- truly exist are they at war with each other and how susceptible are humans you know to to that to that evil to that battle yeah yeah um you know and i think that's always something religious questions um you know so it's just like it's just asking those sorts of questions which i think people are very uncomfortable with and and the movie you know the film brings that out you know brings out that that discussion you know i i think that's why it's so scary yeah i think i think that's why it was it hurt it like definitely like touched people um to the core at that time oh yeah definitely yeah no people were very upset with it it's another one of those movies where people left the theater upset or they you know threw up or you know i think somebody claimed they like miscarried or something and oh my god you know and yeah there's all kinds of i mean you could find tons of like anecdotal you know, stories around, around the exorcist, you know, um, there's a rumor that the, um, 
that like in Rome, I think uh-huh. like, uh, like a cross fell off a building, um, when it came out, um, just some sort of, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? Um, yeah, it was like a cross or something. Yeah, some building. I don't know. That's crazy. Anyways, yeah, during the Rome premiere, lightning. Oh, that's what it was. Lightning struck a 400-year-old cross atop a 16th century church um, when it was premiering there. Uh, but there's, all, I mean, you know, again, you can find all kinds of, you know, the uh, production was cursed. You know, one of the crew members' children got hit by a motorbike during it. You know, lots of people got sick. I think part of the set burned down at one point. Um, you know, they just had a lot of, a lot of issues, you know, there are lots of like death threats against, you know, Linda Blair from religious zealots and, um, you know, lots of people were injured during it. Like we were talking about, you know, the scene where, um, the very fun scene where she's, uh, masturbating with a crucifix. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very violently. (laughs) That I, I wish you had taken a picture of my face at that point. I was like (laughs) mouth agape, just like completely, um, yeah. completely flabbergasted at that point. Yeah. And you said that she, Ellen Burstyn actually injured Ellen herself. Burstyn. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When she's like thrown, she was pulled with, by a, a stunt cable. Um, and she injured her coccyx and like her, her injury is intact in the film. Like her scream at that point is, is real. And she was very, she was upset by that. Um, uh, of that being in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that that should be the title of this episode. Let Jesus fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I wanted it to be a uh, pill pop and priest. Pill pop and priest. Yeah, right. Uh, just I, a little aspirin, you know. I was like, when you're it, fighting demons, you know, know, you got a weak heart fighting the weak, demons. Right. Um, what? But my, anyway, so there were just tons of like things around the film. Uh, lots of injuries. Lots favorite of quote. Favorite quote was. Um, uh, I love Father Karras trying to like psychiatrist, like you know, head in a head shrink the demon. Oh right! And you know, if you if you are the devil, then why don't you just make your bonds disappear? And then uh, you know, the demon responds, "Oh, you know, that would be a uh, that would be a much too uh, vulgar, much too vulgar display of power. Yeah, <laughs> uh, much too vulgar display of power." And I was like, "Ooh!" I was yeah. like, "You could be Satan." Like it's um, that was I, that was just really great. And then. Um, you, you have to do your, your reading of the, uh, of the doctor. What is like, what did she say? Well, what did she say? Doctor? <laughs> the, uh, oh, when they're talking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. It's, it's just, <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny. Cause it really, it just, it shouldn't be. But, um, yeah. When they're talking about her cursing, whether or not she uses like foul language yeah. and, and Chris is trying to get him to like tell her, well, you know, what does she say specifically? And he's like, well, and she, she advised me to, keep my what is it to keep my fingers away from her goddamn gun yes <laughs> <laughs> she advised uh, me yeah it's just the way he says it is funny you know well she advised me <laughs> like, it's just it's just so doctorly yeah you know? it's just like i'm trying to be very like you yeah know, me- methodical and, yeah and then he gets to be bitch slapped oh he's just like uh, damn i know uh, that was that was disturbing because that came out of nowhere and then yeah he gets bitch slap. I was like half expecting his throat to get slit, slit, but yeah. that's just me being 
Yeah. You know what's funny, though, when you say that? Because a lot of the stuff that you saw, like when she's in the um, doctor's office and she's like, hmm humming to herself Uh you know a lot of that's added so it's even more of a surprise like i mean it builds really fast in like the the theatrical cut you know so at least in the version that you saw there's more like there's more hints that something isn't going right you know because all of that wasn't in like the original you know so it's even more like you hear the scratching in the attic and all that and then suddenly she's like jumping up all the bed and her throat is swelling and doing all kinds of things and (laughs) you know and then it's yeah you know zero to 60 so there's a lot more like even in what you saw there's a lot more hint of like what's to come a lot more foreshadowing oh love foreshadowing <laughs> um the unsung hero of this of this movie is definitely um any actor or actress who played a black hospital worker right <laughs> so like that is true uh the like the nurse who like drew the blood and then um this other nurse and then the guy with the afro in like the spinal tap was awesome. Yeah. I was like, yeah, like it's true. way to go. Yeah, we have to probably we should analyze that like uh sit back and th- and, and examine yeah the uh the, you know exorcist the exorcist and, and color, you know what's being said here, you know. I don't know. I'm just saying it's this true. we'll we'll revisit this in when We're we giving have you gems, special guys. topics in horror and race we're gonna have that conversation we're gonna have to i just have to we're gonna have to do some analysis of that (laughs) but yeah i just like how they all look like we don't have time for this like yes yeah (laughs) crazy white girl needs to go into the hospital that's where she needs to be all of this stuff is nonsense (laughs) she needs a good ass whooping (laughs) (laughs) no i don't but yeah you're i mean it's i mean that's i just love when she's like humming and that girl's just staring at her like what the hell is like what is going on they don't pay me enough right yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, fun. Let's see what else. Um, what other movies? So one thing that on the syllabus it talks about, like um, we wanted to. T- the reason why other reason why we're bringing up The Exorcist is because we wanted to talk about horror movies that have to deal with like the devil as the main adversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about? Can you talk a little bit about other movies that feature like this? Yeah. Um, Let's see. I love, well, I mean, uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby and The Omen. I mean, those are sort of contemporaries of The Exorcist. Uh, Well, um, Rosemary's Baby came out in, I think, 68, uh, so a few years earlier. Um, I I really love, like, late 60s, early 70s demon. Like, we were just, like, all about the devil in that time frame, <laughs> you know, we just, we love those kind of movies. Um, so there's lots of the, like the Omen, Rosemary's baby, obviously the exorcist. Um, uh, what else came out at that time that I, uh, what is it? The, um, not seven cent sentinel. Um, Ooh. I think that's another one. That's a, that's a pretty good, um, film. Um, I also love, uh, there's a, uh, no, 1977. That's it. Yeah. Where it's like this, um, yeah, Eva Gardner, Burgess Meredith. It's like, what is it about? It's, um, oh yeah. So it's about like a Brooklyn brownstone that's been turned into apartments and it's like a gateway to hell. It's, I love that movie. Um, I'm also a big fan of like some of the more modern ones, like um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Okay. I love that movie with uh, Jennifer Carpenter who played um, Deborah Morgan on Dexter. Oh. 
Yeah, I love her. And Laura Linney's in it. I like that movie a lot because it's like it's a courtroom drama. And I, I don't know. I like movies like that. So Laura Linney plays a attorney who has been hired to defend a Catholic priest on like murder charges because he performed an exorcism on um, Emily Rose. That's Jennifer Carpenter's uh, character and also advised her to like stop taking her meds and all. And so the um, prosecution is trying to prove that he killed her. Um, and that it's also based on a real story, kind of like the exorcist again, loosely, yeah. you know, cause I think the exorcist is, ba- is it was partially inspired by something that happened in the forties, uh, Ronald something. Um, what was his name? Ronald, uh, Ronald Doe the pseudonyms but anyways there was an exorcism in 1949 performed on him and i think the exorcism of emily rose is about um the annalise have you ever seen those the tapes i know um yeah you can find it on i think it's still online um but it's based on this german case uh annalise michelle that's her name. So this woman in like the seventies. Yeah. German. Um, so she died of, um, whatever I, you know, the, the, let me see. Sorry. Investigation determined that she was malnourished and dehydrated. Her parents and the priests responsible were charged, were charged with negligent homicide, um, because she was given an exorcism. So instead of getting um, food and medication, right? So she had an epileptic seizure. Uh, she was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy, depressed. You know, she was in a psychiatric hospital. Um, but her family, they were very um, highly Catholic and and believed that she might be possessed by a demon. And so that's what the exorcism of Emily Rose is based on. So it's sort of about the trial and how you, you know, and then Laura Lenny's character starts experiencing weird things and, you know, people start dying around, you know, the trial and all of that. And this idea that dark forces are at work. Uh, so I really, I really like that one too. Um, is this answering your question? Like, uh, <laughs> oh no, 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 this is, this is answering my question because we, you know, we, we talk about, um, we talk about like, I, we want, I wanted to talk about like the different mm-hmm. portrayals of like the devil in, in mm-hmm. this because it's, you know, you, you, in like other horror films, the, the, the adversary is like the, is mentally ill or, you know, or mentally unstable or a ghost or some other form of like supernatural. But like they're in, in films where it's like, it's the devil. Right. You know, it's, that's, um, those are the, the movies what that I find scary too, because it's like, Oh, well it's the devil. (laughs) It's not just, it's the ultimate, like, you know, quote unquote, ultimate adversary at that point. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because I actually like things that turn like the devil and like God's relationship, like, you know, on its head or whatever, however you want to say that. Um, uh, the, the book by Joe Hill, Horns. Have we talked about that on this podcast at all? Horns? We have not talked about Horns. Okay, well, this is a good time then in, within the context of, like, the devil. But um, Horns by Joe Hill. That's the book. Um, there is a movie with Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. Yes, in it's it. in my Netflix queue. It's good. I recommend, I recommend seeing it. I recommend reading it, though, first, because it's beautifully okay. written. Uh, it's very poetic. I, I think Joe Hill is a great uh, writer. He's Stephen King's son. Yes. Um, but I think 
at least in my opinion, he's better than his father is now that probably some people will be upset by that. But in, you know, Stephen King, you, I, I feel like he, his best work might be behind him and his son is carrying it on. Like, I mean, he just writes very beautifully and horns is about a, a, a man who, um, wakes up one morning and is growing a pair of horns out of his head. And suddenly like anybody he touches, he sees like all their innermost like thoughts. People are inspired to tell them dark things about themselves. Um, you know, and he goes through this whole like kind of experience of trying to, cause his girlfriend's been murdered and he's trying to find out who murdered her. He's the one that's being blamed. Um, so that's kind of the, like the gist of the story is that he, he wakes up with these horns. Everybody's kind of like suddenly moved to tell him all this stuff and he's, you know, going through the whole thing. But, but in, in the book throughout, there's this really cool dialogue about the relationship man has with the devil and has with God. And there's this whole, um, scene where he says, you know, Lucifer, fell from the heavens because he didn't want to serve. He like challenged this place, you know, of, 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 serv- of servitude and that the devil actually loves humans more than God because the devil accepts us as we are and accepts our flaws as we are and knows that, the, that, that God has set us up for failure which I just think is a really kind of an interesting uh, way to look at it, you know, you know, especially if you think of, of, of Lucifer as a fallen angel and somebody who was just like fighting for independence, which is what Satanism is about. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that Satanism, like the practice of it is not about worshiping the devil. It's about worshiping independent, an independent attitude. Um, not, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not for any, sort of religion really, <laughs> you know, but, but just to clarify, like, it, like Satanism is about independence. It's, it's about free thought. It's about not being oppressed. And so I like things that, that uh, I like stories that flip that relationship, that question whether, whether God expects too much uh, of, 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 a, of a creature he created to be flawed, you know? I see. Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a weird head trippy thing, you know. But that's always, you know, that's always my question with like, you know, really hardcore, like religious types, especially when it comes to Christ or, or, or God. It's like, you know, if God gave us free will and made us sort of, you know, flawed from the get go, how can he, she, it expect perfection of us? And so the devil on the other hand, just gives us in, gives in to all of the, all of the things that, you know, that, that we already are going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the devil's more into rewarding us, you know, but you know, whatever you can, in the end, what's best for ever. I don't know. I, I we yeah. are not here to <laughs> tell you what's best for yeah. you. Uh, we're just, we're just, um, we're just here to tell you that you do you. <laughs> Yeah. So, yes, the episode title will be You Do You. Right. The Story of the Devil. Sorry, I was looking for... I wanted to kind of make sure that the stuff I was saying about Satanism was was correct. Because <laughs> I feel like I read that somewhere, that it's like... It doesn't really have as much to do with, like, worshipping the devil as it does um, celebrating, like, independence and free thought. But, I don't know. I, that could have been some propaganda that I read, you know, from the, the Levian... Church of Satan yes. thing. Anton LaVey. Yeah. Promoted, oh, indulgence, vital existence, undefiled wisdom, kindness to those who deserve it, responsibility to the responsible, eye for an eye, code of ethics. Uh, see here, like shunning abstinence based on guilt, on, you know, passivism, 
Uh, well, some of this I don't agree with, but my, my point is, is that, yeah, it sees the core values of Satanism propagating a naturalistic worldview that sees mankind as animals existing in an amoral universe. So whatever. But anyways, I, I just like those kinds of things. I like, I, I like the flipping, you know, I yeah. like when somebody takes what you think, you know, of a character, like all these movies that they make where it's like the villain now in the, like a hero role. I love that stuff yeah. as we've talked about before. Yeah. I mean, like there's that TV show right now, Lucifer, where, mm-hmm. you know, basically the, the protagonist, or it's like a, this antihero being Lucifer. Yeah. Um, there's I Lucifer, the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you read that? Uh, no, I have not. That is that by the guy who wrote the werewolf book? Uh, maybe I'm not I sure. I think it is. Cause I really liked his werewolf book. Um, it's up here on my, shelf somewhere uh, i can't see it Somewhere. i can't i can't i need to be able to turn my head all the way around exactly and then i would be able to uh <laughs> um uh, one thing i said just to just to get us off the topic of uh levain satanism <laughs> uh, one thing i said was halfway through the film i'm like what did you say the name of the demon was uzo aduba oh. <laughs> and he's like uh, Pazuzu, and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh my god! Can you just imagine she's being uh, the demon is Crazy Eyes from from Orange Is the New Black? Oh, like, that would be that would be something. That would be something. She should petition if they remake it. You know why not? Go for it, girl. She should be the voice of it. You said yeah. that was a woman's voice. Yeah, Mercedes McCambridge. Um, some more uh, fun uh, production behind the scenes for you. Uh, yeah. Mercedes McCambridge plays the voice of the demon. Um, where did she go? There she is. Um, yeah. Oh, and she died about, uh, 12 years ago. Um, but yeah, she, let me see. I was trying to look for the story cause she was like, I think uncredited. So yeah, she did the dub voices and then, um, <laughs> See, who knows? I mean, this could be anecdotal. I don't know. But McCambridge insisted on swallowing raw eggs, chain smoking, and drinking whiskey to make her voice harsh and her performance aggressive. Uh, says William Friedkin, the director, arranged for her to be bound to a chair during recording so that the demon seemed to be struggling against its restraints. Um so that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, that so is interesting. According to the director, she requested no credit, uh, fearing it would take away from the attention of Linda Blair's performance. But then she later complained about her absence of credit during the film's premiere. Um, and then she, they went and like sued each other or whatever. I don't know. And, um, the screen actors Gill stepped in and she got, um, properly credited. But I know in the, in the, um, version you've never seen before, as they call it, which you have now seen, that's what the, uh, the re-release was titled. Um, any work that they did, um, that required new vocals, uh, they didn't use her. Because oh, Friedkin wow. didn't want to work with her anymore. So um, he, they were very bitter about the whole thing. So, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's It's a woman doing the, uh, doing the voice. Do you think Friedkin told her to go to hell? <laughs> he might have. He might have said. He might have. He, yeah. Maybe they had that phone call. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Don't call me anymore. Um, I Every... <laughs> <laughs> What's the other? There's all kinds of silly. Uh, your mother darn socks in hell. What was that? In? Your mother darn socks. Um, the uh, RuPaul. 
uh, your mother darn socks in hell. Remember when she, they pull the head and she says that, like when they're doing the scary movies. Yeah, your mother that's, darn socks in hell. Yeah, that's what that's about. That's a that's a that's an Exorcist reference. Ah, so see, like uh, that's the other thing I wrote down is that now all the all the references I get. So like scary movie two, yeah, at the very beginning with James Woods and Andy Richter as the old priest and the young priest, yeah, and then it's like you're. Um, and it's like, your mother's in here with us. It's like, Ma, get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. And then the old guy <laughs> climbs out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and um, uh, I've a long time ago, I saw Repossessed, which oh, actually right. has uh, mentioned on the podcast before. And it has Linda Blair in it yeah. as like a housewife um, yeah. parody movie. Mm-hmm. Which know, I think she did to help her because she, I think, still felt kind of weird about making the exorcist like oh, did, i think she has she like had you know some stuff happen after oh i bet like the performance was very like the the performance of her as like the unpossessed regan mm-hmm. was very um was very good like she was just such a sweet disposition well yeah she was a 12 year old girl at the time you know <laughs> but um in repossessed they it's a uh, father may i is played by um liam neeson and when she gets no leslie nielsen oh sorry <laughs> Le- liam neeson <laughs> that would have been interesting uh can you just imagine it's like i will find you and i will ki- i have a i have a particular set of skills and he's going to go find the devil and kill him. Uh, Leslie Nielsen plays Father May I. And then, you know, as you can as you can imagine, several different jokes and puns off of his name. Wow, that movie came out in 1990? Shoot, I thought it was much older than that. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Repossessed? Yeah. Um, there, it's like you're... He, I think she says... Um, here's a picture of your mother with Manuel Noriega and then like shows a picture of his mom with Manuel Noriega. Um, you know, a big, big figure, political figure at the time. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Hmm. as far as like my experience with movies about like the devil, um, I don't think I've seen anything. This will be the first one I've like really, really seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie Devil that came out a few years ago. Oh yeah, M Night uh, um, Shyamalan. M Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan Ding Dong. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's hard <laughs> to get all RuPaul on you. M Night Shyamalan. M Night Shalimar. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen that. Um, this will be the first one. Very cool. Yeah, I like lots of. Uh, I like the devil. I like. I like when the devil pops up in things. <laughs> Oh, what are we at on time? I feel like we've been talking at these people for like an hour. (laughs) Um, So just a few more things I did want to mention about The Exorcist uh, that I think are kind of important. Um, We didn't, gosh, we didn't even like talk all about like, this wasn't really like um, a a school-like episode, you know? I didn't have a lot about cultural anxiety, but, I mean, because it, it's there, you know? I mean, yeah. there was so much response to it that it's, all, you know, like, like the, what The Exorcist was tapping into was such a deep, you know, I mean, especially, you know, 40, you know, three years ago or whatever when it came out, um, are questions that are still, you know, going are still boiling today. So it's like, I, I don't know how much, you know, cultural context you need to understand, you know, what, you know, the timing that the exorcist was made, but cool stuff about it. It's, uh, you know, the first horror film to be nominated, uh, for best picture, uh, Academy award, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. Um, the silence of the lambs, jaws, the sixth sense and black swan, uh, all followed, uh, with the silence of the lambs, uh, being the only one that won. 
So I don't know. I just think that's really cool because again, that this this is sort of a running theme. You know, I tried to pick. You know, when we were talking about what movies and what films we were going to watch, ones that I think have a lot of artistic value and and probably deserve you know a little recognition, but it's rare. You yeah. know, so The Exorcist is one that that did um, get some uh, some great recognition. Um. It's also thought to be Warner Brothers' highest grossing film of all time when adjusted for inflation. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, it made a ton of money. Uh, something I actually just learned, so embarrassing. I can't, you know, I have to admit when I don't know shit, you know, I got to, or else I cannot be the teacher here. You know, you got you to gotta admit your flaws and when, when you don't know stuff. I did not know that Jason Miller, who plays Damien Karras, is Jason Patrick's father who oh, wow. played Michael in the lost boys. One of my like favorite vampire movies call back to the first, uh, to the Dracula episode. I had no idea. And it, or if I did, I forgot cause I was kind of shocked by that. And then like, just cause I, I didn't know. And that's kind of really freaking cool, you know? And then his other son, we were talking about Joshua, John Miller wrote the final girls movie that you, yes, like, that been, I watched that you like. Yeah, so I don't know. I thought that was kind of trippy. And what's even and trippier, my name is Joshua, and I have a brother named Jason. And you Look would have been named Damien. <laughs> I would have been named Damien. This is true. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Behind the scenes facts. Yes, my uh, mom almost named me Damien. We might have already actually discussed that in one of the other podcasts. I can't remember. So many layers, guys. Yeah. So many layers. So, so, so many layers. Um. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a really great film and and a great book. Again, I can't um, push enough to go out and and you know either rent a copy or buy a copy of The Exorcist. I'm sure you could get it for like ten cents in like a on used like bookstore, Amazon, you know? or you probably find it like on, yeah. on Kindle or something. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's so good. Any any final thoughts? Any things that you wrote down that we didn't really talk about? Any little just yeah, let me real see. quick They're little trivia things? Little trivia little... things. Um, I wrote down vagina stabbing. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> um, uh, one thing I wanted to know was: is the ritual in the film that they're performing similar to actual ritual? Is that is that a real thing? You know, I don't know. It sounds like it could be. Um, you could probably get a, a copy of the Roman ritual because I mean that I, that is a thing. I mean this is this oh, was yeah, a practice, sure. yeah, um, done by the Catholic Church. So I'm, but I'm sure that you could probably find um, a copy of the Roman. Hey, we'll look it up right now. We'll get in. We'll perform one, man. We'll find somebody who will let us practice our exorcism skills. Hemlock, <laughs> get in here, right? <laughs> Ugh, he does. He needs a damn exorcism. That cat's out of his mind. Yeah, damn the mind. Ritual Romanum is one of the official ritual works, and it contains, um, yeah, various rituals. Um, let's see, maybe perform blah blah blah, blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's I don't know, there's yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in here. The rites, um, you know, the the final like rites that they do when somebody's dying, you know, a, a lot of different oh, things. Oh, yeah, are yeah, in yeah. There. So I have to imagine that um, The Exorcist, I mean, if you find maybe an older copy, because it'll I, probably I, be in there. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you could find it. I, I just assume that, yeah. Um, that was it. That was my last question. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you see, so it wasn't as bad as you thought it would be. Did uh, it? No. Or did it live up to the hype or? Um, 
What did you think of in the end? In the end, I thought the ending was I thought the ending was weird. But I'm I'm sorry, I meant the uh, film in oh, general. The film in general. Um like would you watch it again? No. <laughs> no. Okay. I I mean I I think I'm just gonna say that for most of these films I wouldn't watch it again. Uh once is enough. But um I thought it was very uh I thought it was definitely like disturbing. Like I can mm-hmm. see how contextually of its time how it upset, period, yeah, how it people. upset a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I don't know when Vatican two was, but I imagine that when the Catholic church is experiencing that like particular shakeup, like it was, it, you know, the people came out and um, let me actually just look that up right now. Yeah. I'm not sure. Cause you're talking like in the seventies and people were talking about that. As early as the 50s, 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. So... Although, I mean, I think that whole thing has been part of, you know, the history of... of yeah, that so 62 to 65. Okay. Um, 62 to 65. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and it was just, it was just very interesting. The mm-hmm. um, Father Karras was definitely my was my favorite character because like his, his, he definitely had like an arc. Like he ends Yes, up, definitely. He's the one who has like that definite arc of going yeah. from basically like he was like a believer and then he, you know, he's, he's having this crisis of faith. Yeah. And then for something like this to happen, it can, you know, when something like this happens, I imagine that it's one of two ways. Either your faith is strengthened, but because you cling to, you cling to the things that you know. Yeah. Or your, your faith is shaken and now you feel like there's nothing else you can do. Yeah. So at that point, it's, it's hard to determine what he, um, it's hard to determine what how he chooses it in the end because I I, I mean at least for me I, I felt like there was no clear I think he did well no what I mean I think to do I think in the, I think I think in the end he faces that the demon is re- he begs it to enter him to save her so yeah. I think I think in the end he like because that's what the whole thing is is when he comes in I think. I think he was like, let's do the ex. I'm a psychiatrist. Let's do it because I think it's a force of suggestion. I don't think, I don't think this girl's actually possessed, you know, but he's like, I think that at least that this is sort of my interpretation has always been that he thinks just as a psychiatrist doing it might be like the doctors were suggesting force of suggestion, which a lot of people have always said, that's why exorcism seemed to work is because we've convinced ourselves we're possessed by a demon. We can convince ourselves that we no longer are because we've had an exorcism performed and there's document documented cases of that working mind over matter. So I think that's what he goes in to do. But then when the bed's like doing, you know, when he's standing there just staring like, and father care or father Marin keeps going, you know, Damien, the response, the response, the response. And he's just not saying anything. It's because he's literally like, this oh, this is, is real. real. Yeah. Like I was coming here to just like convince this girl, like to get to stop doing this, you know, like this is you're, you know, playing around and this is wrong, you know, like you need, you know, like basically just force of suggestion, convincing her that she's no longer possessed. And so I think, I think at the end he reclaims his faith and bat and literally 
battles that demon out of her, possesses him, and then in the final moments, he's given he last rites before himself. he dies. Yeah. 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 He sacrifices himself. At least in this film. Now, his character comes back in The Exorcist 3, because there's a... The, uh, William Peter Blatty wrote a follow-up book called Legion, which I've actually been... Um, I'm in the middle of reading now, um, which is about Father Karras' character surviving, and then what happens in, in, the af- in the aftermath of that. So, it's very interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> but we can follow that up with another time. Um... Anyways, again, I have to thank you all for listening to us. I, I think that about wraps up at least today. Anything else? No, that's okay. it. Okay. Well, I think, uh, thank you all again for listening. I hope that you're finding us on Facebook and on Twitter at Fright School. Uh, I hope that you are um, following and listening and subscribe. What am I supposed to say? I, Joe knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, want you to, uh, we want you to listen. We want you to subscribe. And we want you to rate. rate. So That's rate, listen, listen, rate, subscribe. subscribe. Yes. Listen, rate, subscribe. Yes, listen, please. Subscri- subscribe, listen, and then rate us. Yeah. Do whatever. Rate us before you subscribe. <laughs> um, all good ratings, I hope. <laughs> all good ratings. Um, I wanted to... Uh, mention because we are we're going to be coming up on the halfway mark soon of our of um of our semester as it were and um we definitely want to have a chance for people to contribute or be be eligible for some extra credit yeah so i was talking with joshua and we decided that uh we want to do like a little fan giveaway for um our fans yeah but the only way that you're going to be eligible to give to get something to get a lovely prize we haven't decided what that is yet is it's gonna be awesome though give us a five-star rating on (laughs) give us a five-star rating on itunes so we're gonna if once we start getting ratings in um as at the time we're recording this we've been out a few weeks only so you know we're hoping for more ratings but as as we get those ratings in we want to you know, make sure we're taking care of those fans. So we'll read the, we'll read the, um, the usernames for each of those five, uh, five star raters. And then, um, for this first, like half of it, we'll give you like a chance to, you know, maybe win some swag, but yeah, absolutely. But we're going <laughs> to, we're going to nail down those details, but you should definitely start. If you haven't already subscribe on iTunes, it's available on SoundCloud or however you get your podcast. Yeah. Um, you can always message us if you need the RSS feed. Um, yeah, absolutely. Give it to you directly. Yeah. We should clarify that. Like, yeah, please, if you have questions, send us, send, send the questions to us. We want to make sure you can get a hold of this, uh, in any way that you can. Of course, the people listening to this obviously can get a hold of it. So I don't know. Maybe this is falling on the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, if you can't get a hold of, if you yeah. can't, if you don't, if you don't know, know how to listen to, to the podcast, you're not going to hear this, but that's all right. Yeah. All right. Anyways, point is, yeah, we really do appreciate the support. We're having a blast doing this. Joe, this is so much fun. I'm having so much fun. I'm really looking forward to the next week because we are doing the texas chainsaw massacre uh (laughs) (laughs) the massacre 1974 oh my gosh the other side of the coin it's like the exorcist and then the texas chainsaw massacre we were just horror was just trying to fuck with everybody so i'm really looking forward to watching that with you because we're going to do that as well we're going to watch that one together and then i can't wait immediately talk about it so um yeah so thanks again for listening to fright school and we will see you next week goodbye You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 